0: <laughs> Move
1: along, little fellow. We got a lot of work to do. No, oh, no, oh, no. Oh. Stay and help you, I will. Find your friend? Hmm? I'm not looking for a friend. I'm looking for a Jedi Master. Oh, Jedi Master? Yoda. You seek Yoda. You know him? Mm. Take it to him, Alien. <laughs> yes, yes. But now, must eat. Come. Welcome, everyone, from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair... Get comfortable and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode number 416, Galactic Highlights, part one. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the red leader to my gold leader, we've got Carl LeClaire.
0: Oh, hey, Jason, my friend. How are you? I am doing fantastic, Carl. How are you? Ah, oh, I'm so good because I'm just so pumped up to talk to talk this episode this entire month actually uh we've have a slew of kind of autobiographical uh star wars content about kind of trekking our experience of star wars through our fandom starting with the early days which is what we'll look at today right up Mm -hmm. through the the modern era of star wars um so I always love these opportunities, Jason, to kind of look back on my experience as a Star Wars fan and and think about those moments, both specifically in the movies themselves, as well as um, parts of the Star Wars experience that really still stand out to me that were so formative. Um, So that's what we're going to be talking about uh, in this week's episode is some of those early experiences we had of Star Wars and some of the movie scenes that really latched us as young fans um, and other aspects of the fandom that really, really brought us in. So this is, this is some of my favorite stuff to talk about with you, Jason and in, in star Wars.
1: Yeah, no, this, this is going to be really fun, uh, sort of a reminiscing episode. And we, we reminisce on here folks so that you can not only, you know, obviously enjoy, you know, a couple of guys being a bit ridiculously nostalgic on a podcast, but also to maybe inspire you to look back and go, huh. What was it a, for me, you know, back then, um, and stuff? But uh, I'm very, I'm very excited about this, Carl, because this is all sort of, kind of the kickoff to our, our year-ish long celebration of ten years of podcasting that we will hit in October. Yeah, so. that's,
0: that, that's right. So, you know, whether you are a, a new listener and this is your first ever show with us or whether you've been with us for close to a decade, um, it, hopefully you'll enjoy this opportunity just to get to know us as Star Wars fans a little bit and and the particular scenes and moments from Star Wars history that have, you know, really helped us sink our teeth into our love of Star Wars. Um, so and and like, yeah, I'm I'm right with you, Jason, you know while I love having these conversations together, I'm really hoping that it also kind of inspires those of you listening to think about what were those experiences of star Wars that, that drew you in when you were young, that when you were, you know, that middle part of your fandom and so on, because we're going to be doing this in three parts, like we said, so this first week we'll be looking at our early experiences of fandom, what kind of grabbed us when we were really young people getting into star Wars. um, And then looking at kind of the, The late prequel era and then obviously the modern era in in our final episode. Um, But, Jason, before we get into all of that conversation, which I'm so excited to have, uh, Mm -hmm. we want to let folks know about our This Is Madness tournament because that just started this Monday, March the 1st.
1: Yes. Yeah. No, it's exciting. Um, Normally, if you have been around for other This Is Madness tournaments – uh, you know it's a character tournament, um however, this year we have decided to switch things up again um so carl we are we are matching up iconic moments in Star Wars, which is i don't think I've seen anybody do this in a in a sort of uh you know match up tournament before um yeah. if anybody has done it before, you know congrats on on being ahead of the curve because now we're doing it um but I've never seen it before, so I'm curious yeah. to see how people react to it.
0: Yeah, neither have I. And, and, and when I was thinking about it, you know, at the start of February, I was like, "Oh crud! Next month is March, and we normally do you know March Madness tournament with This Is Madness." And and I was thinking about, oh, I gotta, I guess I gotta drop another new list of characters. And I was just like bored by that, and I was like, you know what? I want to do something different this year. So I was like. This would be a great opportunity just to look at all the iconic scenes across Star Wars. You know, all the all the visual medium again, you know. So we're looking at all all eleven movies as well as the the three big TV shows, you know, Clone Wars, Rebels, and Mandalorian. And uh, putting putting some of these iconic scenes against each other every day, every weekday for the month of March. All you and the it's so easy. All you have if you know, you have two options to, to play along. If you're on Twitter, you just follow us on Twitter, and every day you'll see the matchup. You vote on it. And we're also doing it on Instagram, on the Instagram story. So each day, you just log into your the TheWompizler Instagram and just click on our story, and you can vote for both of them each day. Because there's, there's two matchups a day.
1: Yes. Two matchups a day, and ultimately, it will come down to the final matchup. Which, match, uh, which scene the Larians deem to be the most iconic or their favorite um, overall? Yes. Uh, so, and I do, we are good. Sorry. Sorry.
0: Well, I was just going to say, I do think that this, this format actually works a little bit easier because with the characters, right. Um, you're all, if you do it by who would win in a fight, you know, there's always going to be the same top few characters who would always technically win. Um, this is a lot easier because it's just asking you what's your favorite between these two great scenes, which one's your favorite? (laughs) You know, I mean, there's no wrong answer here.
1: So, um, I'm, I'm very excited about this. Um, because I'm, I'm very curious to see how some of the animated things might stack up against some of the, the live action things. Yeah. Uh, because I know the animated stuff is big for some people, like huge. Um, and I get the sense that those that listen to a lot of Star Wars podcasts are also very much into the animation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at least for our listeners we might have some very interesting results further on. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then we're only, in our, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say t- So tomorrow, as of when we record, so the day this will drop on the recording, we'll have our first actual, uh, we have two matchups on Wednesday of this week where it's going to take a animated scene against a live action scene. So I'll be curious to see how those both shake out.
1: I'm very curious. Yeah. We're as of recording, we are only on round two and that's, you know, in process at the moment so um i think i think i was one and one in terms of my votes as to which ones won last uh yesterday so um but yeah very interested to see how this is all going to turn out i'm very excited about this yeah. this uh this tournament carl so me too
0: and so that said we just want to ask you to help us spread the word about the tournament so if you follow us on social media, whether it's Instagram or Twitter, um, please be sure to share, you know, uh, if you're on Instagram, you can share our story. Um, if you're on Twitter, please, uh, when when you vote every day, retweet the both of the things you voted on and tell us why you voted the way you did. It's always fun to just hear why folks are, are choosing what they choose. Um, so and also by retweeting it, you're just letting more people know about this tournament going on. So. Uh, we could really use your help spreading the word uh, about the tournament because the, the more that play, the more fun it is.
1: Indeed, indeed. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing more people getting involved. So, you know, these, these tournaments always start off slow and then they build by the end. So I'm just, you know, <laughs> we just started. So we'll see how quick this takes off. And we, we yeah. want to reach as many people as possible because we want everyone to have fun. This is a fun thing. Right. You know? Yep. Yep. So. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. So
0: to those of you who are playing and who are already sharing only a couple days in, thank you for doing that. Uh, please keep it up. And uh, those of you who may just be remembering to do it, thank you in advance for helping to spread the word. Um, and one last thing before we hop into the topic here, uh, we announced last week that uh, we were going to be giving away a copy of Into the Dark, the High Republic book by Claudia Gray, that we obviously spoke about together last week with our buddy Greg. Um, so, want to say congratulations to our winner, Hufflepuff um, at Lavender Sparks on Twitter. Congratulations for winning a copy of Into the Dark, and I will be in touch with you to make sure you get that copy. And to all of you who played along. Thank you for playing. We'll have another giveaway for you at the start of April as well.
1: Carl's just got all sorts of duplicates of things, so...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, I I foolishly am... I'm acting like I have tons of money and every time I like something in stars, I'm like, I'm going to buy two of these so I can give one away on the show. And it's like, Carl, you got to stop doing this. (laughs) 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 Um, but I also am fortunate that i still have a few things in reserve from, from Greg that he gave me a a while back. And and I have a few of my own things that I, I'd like to offer up, but so we want to try to continue doing a giveaway at least, um, hopefully once a month just to, you know, have some fun. So yeah, that's the whole point. Um, yeah. And, and to be honest, if you have something in your star Wars collection, you just may not want anymore. And you're looking to offload. If you want to offer it up as something to be, you know, raffled off on the show, please be in touch with us. Um, you know, not, not demanding it in any way, but you know, I have a huge collection and I, I need to start downsizing myself, which is part of what's inspiring this, but perhaps you're in the same boat where you're like, I just got too much stuff and I don't need this anymore. So if you want to, you know, send it our way and we can give it away on your behalf. We'd be happy to do that. So just, you know, shoot us a DM or an email and we'd be happy to coordinate that with you.
1: Indeed. Indeed. Uh facilitating fandom all over the place. That's, that's us, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the goal. That's the goal. Um so um Jason, shall we take a yeah. trip down memory lane? Oh man. Yeah. Way back in the way back machine. We're going to go for this one. <laughs> so and before we, we start sharing some of
0: these these particular moments for us, um, I think it'd be important to share where what the years we're going to be talking about covering. So for me, Jason, yeah. when, when I got into Star Wars, it was late 1994. Um, and I'm going to be basically talking about from 1994 right up to like late 98 because we're going to pick up with the prequel era next week. Um so that 's kind of where it falls for me like ninety four
1: to ninety eight ish uh, what about you? well, for me, early fandom and and I kind of define the fandom by my intensity with it um mm. and like my investment with it, so mm. early fandom is like I enjoy it mm-hmm. you know, and it 's a lot of fun, but it didn 't become all consuming until after this point um so Early fandom, uh, for me, uh, I got into Star Wars when the special editions came out in early 1997. So that's obviously when this is going to begin. And uh early fandom for me ends about 2000. So I'm going to be covering Phantom Menace as well. Um, oh, okay. With, with this. So, um, yeah, this is going to be kind of my early. Fan. This is this is the difference between between Carl and I a little bit. He's a little bit older. So and he got into Star Wars before I did because he had access to it before I did. So. Um, just by a couple of years just a few years but uh uh yeah so 97 to about 2000 for me
0: awesome um so uh yeah let's let's set us back into that you know that mid mid to late 90s feel um you know growing up in that time was was a lot of fun for me i think it was for you too jason um oh, yeah and uh, it was a great time to really get into star wars it was a great time for music in general too i might add um you know you got hits like this okay yo That's right. I really want to be a Star Wars fan. That's right. Yeah, Spice that's Girls, exactly. top
1: hit from 96. <laughs> I really want to be a Star Wars fan. Yes, yes, exactly. Oh, man. Um, I am very glad this is not a video podcast because the amount of dancing that happened behind the cameras, <laughs> folks, on both of our behalf is a little ridiculous. So, um.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um. So – You know what? Since since I am the older one and go a little bit further back, I'll start first. I know you kind of put your list together in a chronological order. Um, I I actually I kind of ranked mine, to be honest. Um, So kind of the things from my early fandom and and how they got me into Star Wars. So the first thing I want to bring up, um, you know, one of the and and to be fair, this is actually chronologically. One of the first things that grabbed me about Star Wars was simply the Battle of Hoth, you know, Mm. from the Empire Strikes Back. And this was, you know, I remember Empire Strikes Back was the first Star Wars movie I ever saw. And again, I I was playing with the Star Wars action figures, the old Kenner vintage action figures that were my cousins. My cousin Ricky was a few years older than me, and he would let me and my other cousin Andrew play with the toys. So I just loved playing with the toys, even though I didn't really know the story. And finally, after I, I honestly, you know, trying to remember this, you know, my my eight year old mind. I don't know how long we've been playing Star Wars till we finally sat down and watched Empire Strikes Back. But when we did, um, it's funny because, you know, obviously as a fan now, Empire is my favorite. And the middle act is one of my favorite parts of Star Wars and stuff with Yoda. I was bored out of my mind with the middle act of Empire Strikes Back when I first (laughs) saw it. But that opening stuff, the stuff with Battle of Hoth. Oh, man, Jason, that just like just got me right fixated on this. I mean, this is. You know, an incredibly epic battle and, you know, growing up in, you know, upstate New York, it was a lot of fun to go outside in the winter and pretend to reenact the Battle of Hoth. And I'll never forget, we had this crazy blizzard in 95. Um, I mean, it was like every week we were getting a foot of snow. And I remember we had so much snow built up on both sides of our driveway from um, a, a family friend plowing it each day that me and my brothers dug out like these trenches into the, the snowbanks and named it echo base. Um, and it was so fun. And I remember my older brother like had us throw water on some of the things that we had dug out of the, out of the snow so that they would freeze instantly and like turn into little computer consoles. Um, so it was like having our own little echo base. And I loved the battle of Hoth because it was this story of the underdog just holding on just a little bit longer. Um, and, you know, like, just hold on a little bit longer. Like you may not win today, but if you hold on a little bit longer, you, you know, you can win the day. Um, and, you know, is, is like a. I, I mean, I was a very small little guy even, you know, even back then. Um, so this story of the underdogs being able to, to hold their own against a big, powerful empire was was really uh, exciting to me.
1: Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah. Um... I didn't have that experience growing up in the Southern United States. Uh, <laughs> snow was a novelty. Uh, so, um, you know, and it happened maybe once every seven or eight years if we got lucky. And it was, you know, snowed in the morning and melted by the afternoon. So, <laughs> um, you know, nothing, nothing on the scale that would warrant a- an echo base. Um <laughs> But that's exciting. That's awesome that you had that ability to, to take you know <laughs> a scene from The Empire Strikes Back and recreate it in your own yard um, like that. That's awesome. Uh, if I had lived in the snow Empire Strikes Back would probably be more of a big deal for me um, because of that. Yeah. Uh, but at that age I, I hadn't even really seen snow except you know, it like ever in real life. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> not not quite the same for me. Um, the first thing, you know, and like 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 Carl said, um, my list is is kind of chronological here. The, that's I, I couldn't I couldn't rank it. I was gonna try to rank it, but I just I couldn't figure out how to rank it. So I was like, I'll just make it chronological because that's easy on me. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, the first thing that really kind of grabbed my attention. With Star Wars, other than obviously the opening shot of A New Hope is just kind of iconic. Yeah. And seeing that in the movie theater as a, you know, seven, eight-year-old kid just blowing my mind. Uh, but the first thing that really, you know, grabbed my my imagination, my my attention with, with this was R2-D2. Um, particularly from the first uh you know, half hour or so from of the movie, obviously the escape from the of Four, but more his adventure through the desert to get to um to Luke Skywalker, you know, just R2 kind of off on his own was a really fascinating thing to me for whatever reason. And, you know, was part of why he instantly became my favorite Star Wars character. And he's never lost that coveted number one spot in my heart so <laughs> um <laughs> uh when we would play star wars at the house i was always r2d2 well not always but more often than not i was r2d2 and i'd you know get down on in my, in my you know in this little crouch and i'd you know if, if i had socks on i'd scooch around with my feet as his little third leg um and just push myself along that way um so but it was R two D two traveling the desert uh in search of Obi-Wan Kenobi and then getting caught up with the Jawas and Luke Skywalker that really was like the first thing I was like, This is this is cool, this is new, this is weird and fun. So um yeah, R two D two. Uh definitely, definitely a big winner for for little Jason. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I like that, that, that the, the scenes of him kind of making his way to Obi-Wan in the desert. Um, in a new hope is what kind of clicks for you because you did grow up near deserts. And, mm-hmm. you know, so that, that geography can at least kind of be lived out for you in a, in a more real way that, you know, deserts to me growing up, whenever I watched a new hope or, you know, Tatooine on, in return of the Jedi, it was, it just, it was just so foreign to me. I'd never seen a desert in my life. Um, So I, yeah, I love that. And I love that. That's a standout to you because I think um, for a lot of folks, that part of new hope tends to be like the part that people like, Oh, this is the kind of the slow boring part. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So the fact that this, that's the part that really grabbed you and and helped you identify with the story. I just think is so great.
1: Yeah. I, I think part of what it was is that the first, you know, five minutes of that, you know, as the, the, just the invasion of the tandem four and all that was just so like sensory overload for me at the time that being able to sit down and recover and watch R2 travel the desert was something I needed. And it just, it still sucked me in. So I was like, Oh, Oh, oh." (laughs) okay. I kind of get where this is going now. Yeah. I kind of understand this thing, this star Wars thing. So, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, yeah. R two is just the greatest, and uh, it forever and always will be, and you will never change my mind on that.
0: Yeah. Well, good. <laughs> I, I I wouldn't want to. I mean, that's it's yeah. perfect sense because it, he was literally your the reason you fell in love with Star Wars. So makes yep. makes sense. That's great. Pretty. Um, so uh, my next moment also comes from a, one of the films, and it's so funny. When I was putting this list together the other day, Jason, I was thinking like. Oh my goodness my early fandom is a lot more like jason's modern fandom in the sense of like like you love the battle sequences and uh you know the exciting parts and those are your favorite musical cues that was definitely my favorite star wars flavor when i first got into star wars because my next moment comes from return of the jedi and it's this particular iconic moment don't move we surrender <laughs> I love the Ewok ambush on Endor. (laughs) Um, I mean, I mean, I still do, but I loved this moment as a kid. Um, The so growing up, Return of the Jedi was by far my favorite Star Wars movie. Obviously, we only had three to contend with at that time. But um, Return of the Jedi was was by leaps and bounds, my favorite Star Wars movie um, for much of my early fandom. And I loved this moment of the Ewoks hiding in the woods and, you know, just ambushing these rebels. And, you know, again, kind of that early experience when you know I was young, you know, eight, nine years old, the house I grew up in, we had a bunch of woods right out back. So I, again, was able to go outside and kind of recreate the Battle of Endor all spring and all summer. And I used to love there was, you know, that, that scene, they're kind of popping up out of these, these fern bushes, which, you know, Jason, you and I got to playfully recreate uh, two summers ago when we were in the redwoods. Um, yes. And, uh, you know, there, there's the, there was this particular splotch in the woods behind my house that were mostly ferns. So that was my favorite spot to pretend I was an Ewok and launching the ambush on the empire. Um, And, and when I was a young, when I was a young kid, my, my dad was really into American history, specifically Native American history. So growing up, you know, my dad was reading us stories, showing us movies and documentaries about Native Americans and the French and Indian war. So I always just had this uh, kind of enraptured interest in Native Americans and Ewoks are essentially Native Americans in Star Wars, right? They're an indigenous group of people who were fighting off foreign invaders. Um, So I just, I loved this idea that uh, this, this passion and interest I had with, you know, the indigenous native Americans found kind of this parallel in the star Wars story. Um, So, you know, these adorable little Ewoks. And again, I'm young. I didn't, you know, I didn't have that any sort of jaded look on anything about star Wars. Like I didn't think they were too cute or cuddly. I just thought they were these awesome, badass indigenous teddy bears that would pummel you to death with tomahawks (laughs) like that's what they did to the stormtroopers um so i just i love the excitement of them setting this ambush and and again just even in the story point like it's like they don't really have to help out but they choose to um you know so it was kind of this even as a young person i remember it being important to me because it 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 taught me the importance of uh, defending and fighting for your friends. You know, even if they're brand new friends in your life, you know, it's important to, to get their backs, to stand up for them. Um, So I, I loved this little message embedded in this really exciting scene from return of the Jedi.
1: Yeah, no, I, I've always loved the Ewoks. I've never, never disliked them at all. Um, I, I remember leaving the movie theater after seeing return of the Jedi one time, and just kind of laughing that the stormtroopers got their butts handed to them by a bunch of teddy bears. I just thought that's hilarious. Those stormtroopers, they just, they're just not good at all. They, this, the teddy bears got them, And I thought that was the greatest <laughs> thing in the world. You know, I, it, it was hilarious. I I just, I distinctly remember you know, laughing about that, talking to my dad and laughing about that. I probably said it in a weird way. Cause he just kind of looked at me like, y- you're, you're silly. Um, but uh, you know, that was, that was, you know, seven, eight year old Jason. So, uh, you know, I saw all these movies like in three months cause yeah, they came out, you know, January, right. February, March, you know, so it was, uh, it was fun. I, I love it. And I, I'm glad you mentioned this because my next one, um, coming up is, uh, the battle over Endor, the space mm-hmm. battle. So um good. god i love this space battle i loved the one in a new hope i thought it was amazing and fantastic the, the x-wings racing down the trench um and then we got return of the jedi and i was just like oh oh that's amazing that's so cool yeah um and you know it was even more ships more designs i loved all the rebel ships uh the you know obviously the x-wings and the y-wings and uh b-wings and a-wings and the, the capital ships the mon calamari star cruises the nebulon b frigate i knew pretty much all of them um <laughs> very early on and i was just like this is fantastic this is amazing and you know ah thank you i got you God, <laughs> that music gets me every time. Yes. I can't help but get excited every time yes. I hear that music.
0: Ah, <laughs> oh, it is so
1: good. All oh, things poured in. Red leader heading by. Green oh. leader standing by. Green
0: Leader!
1: Right. Lock us foils into attack position! Ah! <laughs> uh, yes! Make <laughs> a force, be with us! <laughs> yeah, there it is! <laughs> no, there, here it is! Make a force, be with us! There it is! That. At the time! Oh, do it anyway!
0: What do you mean? You gotta be coming, you gotta be so, reading. Those shields up either, oh, all, uh, either
1: up or down! Well, how could they be up, though!
0: Like they do, Jamis, they don't know
1: we're coming. We're coming! Break off the attack. All craft, break off. All craft, pull up. All craft, pull up. Okay.
0: All Sir, right, we, we have enemy stop. ships in sector 27.
1: Get <laughs> Yes, we are those nerds. We can recreate this entire scene just off the music, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Uh, I feel like I butchered. Uh, a few I could of do my that. Lines, but... I could do that. Like less than a year after watching this movie, like I could recreate this entire battle in my head if I wanted to, because I loved this scene so much. It was so amazing, and I'm I'm actually gonna <laughs> add in my my number three here because it builds directly off of this. Um, so I'm gonna skip you, sorry, real quick. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, <laughs> because you don't while matter. I, I, well, I love this scene so much. The most, the the way I played it the most was with the micro machines. Oh, um, nice! I had, I won't say a ton of micro machines, but I had more micro machines than action figures at this time period. So. Um, and I still have some. In fact, some of them are on display right now, including this Wedge Tilly's X-wing Ooh. from the Death Star playset. Um, that's Action Fleet, though. That's not X. Ex- that's uh, not Micro Machine. That's an Action Fleet, right? Micro Machines Action Fleet. It was yeah. all kind of the same thing. But yeah. no, I mean, at back at back in those days, it was just uh, Micro Machine. It was Micro Machines and Action Fleet were the same thing, like the same company. I think. Right. Micro I think Machines they were too. Theater. But
0: yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Action Fleet were just a bit bigger, which were obviously a little more fun to play with
1: yeah um but yeah this is this is the one that came with the the death star play set and it's you know battle damage wedge and tilly's x-wing um and that was my favorite one that and the y-wing that i also have sitting in front of my desk here um and i would run around the house you know having them you know dodge TIE Fighters and dive into the superstructure on their way to blow up the Death Star and I, you know, make turns into the kitchen and hop over the different, you know, pots and pans that are waiting to be washed <laughs> and over the stove and get in my mom's way while she was making dinner and, uh, you know, just all over the house, up over the piano, between the chair legs, you know, things like that. I was doing all sorts of things um with it and that was that was like my favorite way to reenact this battle was with these micro machines, and I I still love them, um, which is why I have a couple of them on display right now on my desk. But you know, it was those toys at that time were the easiest ones I could just pick up and grab and just create a story with. Like the action hmm. figures were things that I had to really kind of have an, an elaborate sort of setup and i had to create some sort of epic story uh, and it took hours you know the micro machines were something i could just grab and go and yeah. i did that a lot yeah. so um you know and i could take it in the car with me if we were traveling somewhere and i just sort of fly them you know next to the window as if they were going somewhere or whatever um so that was that was why those toys were so exciting for me um I still like them. I just I don't collect them anymore, which is a bit of a shame. I mean, I get sometimes the little Hot Wheels things. Um, I've got the B-Wing uh, right here, too. So Hot, hot Wheels B-Wing, uh, which is fun. But they're so much smaller uh, than and, the action. Micro yeah, machines. they're also not so, nearly as you know, nicely cool.
0: made today as nope. they were.
1: Nope. So. No. no. Um, you could throw those things across the room and they'd still, you know fly so to speak later <laughs> um you can't do that anymore um, so uh, but yeah those those toys were very integral at this point in my my star wars fandom like right after the movies came out like we would we got them on uh vhs and i'd sit there and spend an entire afternoon watching a star wars movie and then i would just have my micro machines out and i'd you know fly them around until dinner time that was a regular occurrence. Um, and more often than not, I was watching Return of the Jedi. So I was usually reenacting uh, the second battle, uh, the battle of the second Death Star. Um, so that was, that's kind of why those two things are connected. They are separate, but um, those are very connected uh, in my head. So
0: that's I love that. two and
1: three for me. So
0: I love that. That's great. <laughs> um what's What's well, your next one? My next one is uh, – um, it has to do with the books and specifically the Jedi Academy trilogy, which was written by Kevin J. Anderson. And here's something that was fun. I was look, I was looking up their publication dates. I know, I know I didn't read them right when they came out. I know I read them at least a year later, but they came out just a couple of months apart. So the first Jedi search was March 1st. And then Dark Apprentice was July 1st. And then the last one, Champions of the Force, October 1st, all of 94. So all within like a, you know, five month period, you had that entire trilogy come out. Which I just, I just point out because it's funny how like now with the the High Republic books, right? Like we're going to get them, you know, every few months as opposed to three and you know three in a couple months period. Um, yeah. But uh, I loved, loved the Jedi Academy trilogy. And I know I've talked about it on the show before. And I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I honestly don't remember what the first Star Wars book I read was. It might have been this trilogy. Um, it was either this trilogy or um, Tales of the Bounty Hunters, which was edited by Kevin J. Anderson. Um, but this was the story that really grabbed me. Um, and I remember, I know I read it before the the Thrawn trilogy, because I read the Thrawn trilogy right after. And I remember not liking it nearly as much. Um, and I think what I really liked about the Jedi Academy trilogy was this story of Luke having to fulfill that final mandate from Yoda in Return of the Jedi, right? Pass on what you have learned. And this is the story of Luke going out into the galaxy and recruiting students to train as Jedi. And I'll always remember, because in the the book Jedi Search, Luke finds this old device that apparently Jedi used to use that help you detect if someone has force abilities and it's so funny because this is obviously this book was written in 94. So, you know, five years before Phantom Menace came out, but in a weird way, it's like, Oh, maybe, you know, my headcanon after I saw Phantom Menace was like, Oh sure. Luke had something that could read midi Chlorians, um, which makes sense. You know, um, it makes sense that the, the Jedi who are out there scouring the galaxy for force adepts might have something that can check somebody's midi Chlorians count. um, So, I mean, that particular beat of the story has always stayed with me. Um, And the thing as well, you know, like and this isn't specific to the Jedi Academy Trilogy, but what I loved about that, that, you know, 94 through 97 period of Star Wars Legends novels was just its ability to expand my imagination beyond the stories in the movies. So when I did play with my action figures, when I did play Star Wars with my cousins, you know, the stories like the Jedi Academy Trilogy gave my imagination more to play with. It gave me more stories to think about. Um, and, you know, something that always struck a chord with me when I was young about this particular trilogy was the the fact that Luke is building something new out of nothing, right? Like, there there are no Jedi left when Luke is scouring the galaxy um, nope. to, to build this new uh, Jedi order. And I remember that resonated with me a lot when I was you know, nine, 10 years old, because other than my two cousins, I didn't have any friends that were star Wars fans. So I had like this secret hope. I was like, I hope I've like, I can be like Luke and stumble across other star Wars fans at my school soon so that I can build my (laughs) star Wars fan community. Like I remember thinking that at nine, 10 years old. Um, and it took a decade to make that happen, but (laughs) you know, (laughs) Luke luckily was able to do it in like a few years time, but, um, Yeah, I just, the Jedi Academy trilogy just always, always stood out to me. Um, I just, I love it so much. And it's so funny because I actually, I started Jedi, I started rereading Jedi Search this summer. And after I just read a bunch of old EU, and I think I was just, I was just, I hit my kind of peak of like, all right, I've read a little too much Star Wars EU right now. And it was just like, ah, I had to put it down, but I do want to come back to this trilogy again, hopefully this summer, because it's been a while since I've read the whole thing but i do i i remember reading it several times growing up um and I, I really loved it nice nice
1: yeah no i i think i read those books but it was also like uh in a time period where i was consuming just about any star wars book i could get my hands on and it wasn't necessarily in any particular order either so um <laughs> well i think i was trying to keep like different series together I remember reading some of the um, New Jedi Order books like completely out of order just due to what was available <laughs> in my library at the time. And I was just like, there is so much I am missing here. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't think – I I still don't think I've read all of them. It's
0: 19 freaking books. So it's I a lot. I read
1: most <laughs> of them. But yeah. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure I read the the Jedi Academy trilogy. Um. But yeah, no, I, that was in amongst a whole bunch of other things that I was reading at the time too. So didn't stand out to me as much as it stood out for you. But I'm glad that you had that because that's that's always nice to sort of have this this, this touchstone thing. And for me, it was probably the X-wing books. So mm, yeah, yeah, which I've talked about many a time. Right, um, right. But that's not on my list though. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, um. Then. So did you want to do another one and get back to the original order here? Or yeah, you want to sure, sure.
0: I'll do one more because my next one's um, uh, kind of shorter. Um, but this is something specifically from the special editions. Obviously, you know, you know Jason, you kind of got into Star Wars right as they came out. Um, mm-hmm. I had been a Star Wars fan for about two years when they came out. So, you know, two years, if you think about it, you know, at 35 years old, two years is like nothing. But when you're nine years old, two years is a long time. It's a very <laughs> um, <time. laughs> so between the ages of like eight and eight and ten, eight and 11, I mean, I was watching star Wars. Like, I mean, we're talking like every weekend I would watch empire and Jedi, pretty much both of them every weekend for going on right. two years, a new hope would get thrown in the rotation every now and then I was, I was never nuts about a new hope. Um, but when the special editions came out and specifically a new hope, having some added stuff, it just really, really. Like it just really worked for me, and a scene that worked for me so much as a kid um, is probably the most uh, iconic scene from the special editions, which is Han meeting Jabba.
1: Solo, you, Solo? Right here, Jabba. Been waiting for you. You didn't think I was gonna run, did you? Han, my bookie! Look Java, next time you want to talk to me, come see me yourself. Don't send one of these twerps. Look Java. Even I get boarded sometimes. You think I had a choice? But I got a nice, easy charter, now. I'll pay you back. Plus a little extra. I just need a little more time. 15, Java, don't push it. 15, don't push it. Namigo to Bunty La Jabba, you're a wonderful human being.
0: <laughs> you're a wonderful human being. <laughs> yeah. I love how that's okay. obviously the, the scene because they, right, so many folks know that scene that was originally filmed in 1976 was just mm-hmm. some Scottish guy playing Jabba the Hutt. Um, yes. Uh, I love that they put Jabba's theme in this scene from, you know, the return of the Jedi bassoon theme that John Williams mm-hmm. wrote. Cause obviously that piece of music was not actually written in 1976. Um, but, uh, you know, I just loved this scene because it was new and going to the movie theaters to see star Wars on the big screen was awesome. But having something extra like this, you know, the expanded scenes in, you know, in Mos Eisley, um, I had been watching these movies, like I said, for, you know, every week for two, two and a half years. So to just get to see them and not just see the exact same thing on a bigger screen, but to see some new stuff just blew my mind, Jason. And I remember this particular scene. um, My mom leaned over to me and she goes, I don't remember this from the movie. (laughs) And I tried to whisper but i'm pretty sure i shouted pretty loud i was like it's because it's not in the movie it's new <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> I, I was so excited about it um and yeah i i just it was so exciting to see new star wars stuff and again like i was young i didn't grow up in the original era like seeing them for you know 20 years at that point where you know life jades you a bit after 20 years and you can find flaws with things. I thought all the changes were flawless. Loved them all. I didn't care. Even, you know, Greedo shooting first didn't care. It was new. It was exciting. Um, But this scene it particularly stood out to me um, because of the fact that, you know, Han was my favorite character. So seeing Han Solo stand up to this big crime boss and just, kind of talk down to him almost like talk to him at eye level, not show like he, he doesn't seem to be intimidated at all. Um, again, I was, I was a very little guy when I was young. Um, I didn't get bullied like hardcore, but I definitely got picked on a lot. So seeing a scene like this, it just really worked for me. Cause it's like, yeah, Han is so cool. Like he's not afraid of anybody, you know? So to like young little, you know, 10 year old Carl, that was really cool. Like, it made me feel like I could be a little bit tougher. Um, you know, so just it, it, that scene is just it, it just worked for me so much. And obviously every iteration since then, you know, the, the, the theatrical version had a version of Jabba. And then the VHS, they tried to change the digital again. And then the DVDs and the Blu-rays, they've all changed something about the way Jabba looks. I think they all at the end of the day kind of do look terrible. But um, just the fact that it's there was really cool. Um, Yeah, and you know what? Again, as an early fan, Boba Fett was just the coolest thing ever. So throwing him in the background was extra cool. Um, So yeah, you know, it's this scene where my favorite hero, my favorite character, just isn't afraid of anybody, and I loved that.
1: (laughs) And here's me watching the Star Wars movie for the first time, going, "Oh, okay. I didn't know that wasn't not Mm. supposed to be in there originally." So. you playing that back again? I was like, "Oh, that's right. I forgot." Han Solo says "twerp." Um, <laughs> I, that's right. <laughs> like, that's I I always forget that he calls people twerps uh, in in this scene. I'm like, "Oh, that's right." That's uh, for whatever reason, having Han Solo calling somebody a twerp is very amusing to me right now. Um, but no, that's that's great. I I, I like that, um, and it is. You know, I, I know people have so many varied opinions on the changes and the special editions and subsequent changes in future releases and things like that, but um you know, I think obviously as someone who was introduced to Star Wars with this version of these changes, you know, all, you know, just being my first experience. Um it's you know, hasn't really affected my fandom at all. Um, so, (laughs) and, and it probably has made me a bit more open and, and, uh, understanding towards future changes. Um, so that have been made. So that's just my theory because I've never, I mean, sure. Do I have some preferences in terms of some of the changes? Absolutely. But it's never been something I've been up in arms over. Um, you know, so, but anyway, um, I'm glad that was there for you. Um, But uh, I suppose I should get to my next one. Yes, Um, please. Number four for me. um, This is going to take us all the way to about January, February of 1999. And the complete marketing blitz of The Phantom Menace and Jar Jar Binks being everywhere. Um, you know, this might have had a little bit to do with Jar Jar being my favorite character, but I was already a fan of Jar Jar before I ever watched the movie, um, because he was kind of everywhere and they had these like, uh, preview figures that were like maybe, Hmm. I don't know, eight inches tall or something like that. Very little articulation, like basically they, you could turn the waist of them and then the arms would go up and down. They had four of them. Uh, Anakin, Jar Jar, Maul, and Watto, and I got Watto and Jar Jar um, one day, and I think I had those like back at the end of like February or March, you know, months before the movie was supposed to be released. And you know, I did you know, Watto was kind of cool to look at. I didn't play with him that much, uh, but I liked Jar Jar already, you know. And I'd seen the, I'd seen the trailers and stuff like that, so I knew he was going to be kind of goofy and fun. Um, but I just very distinctly remember getting invested in The Phantom Menace in Jar Jar before ever watching the movie mm-hmm. just because of the complete you know marketing blitz that happened with this movie. And, and anybody who lived through that knows exactly what I'm talking about. Like you could not escape The Phantom Menace. It literally was inescapable. Um, It was everywhere. It was at your fast food restaurants. It was at the grocery store. You couldn't go down the Band-Aid aisle without three different Phantom Menace Band-Aids being available for you to buy. You know, um, it was just absolutely amazing. And for, you know, a, a young Star Wars fan like me, being able to get Jar Jar or Star Wars on everything in the world... Was very exciting, uh, so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, so I was already on board the the Phantom Menace and Jar Jar train even before I saw the movie, um, and and that you know, I you know some people look at go back and look at that and be like, yeah, that was a lot. I don't know if I could ever do that again, but it worked for it worked for nine-year-old jason like it definitely (laughs) worked for nine-year-old jason it was it did exactly what it was supposed to do and um i just remember you know finally being able to go in and see the movie and just going walking out going ah this is amazing jar jar is the greatest and all that (laughs) stuff so you know um as one does at nine years old so um yeah. And of course, Jarger is still one of my favorites, and it's so much so that I got a bit tongue-tied when I got my autograph from Ahmed Best back at celebration Chicago. So, you know, uh, twenty years later. Um <laughs> So
0: <laughs> Well, you know, there's that there's the great scene in in Fanboys where they they run up to Seth Rogan's character, who's got a Jar Jar tattoo before Jar Jar is cool.
1: Check this out. Episode one. Who snickens Jar Jar Binks? That guy's going to be the shit. I tell you. <laughs> oh. And he was to me. He was to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, I loved that time of, of Star Wars, the, the build up to Phantom Menace. Um, but I'll share my thoughts on that next, on next week's show, because that's kind of where I put that part of my fandom. Um, but, uh, yeah. So for what I want to bring up next, um, and this will come as no surprise to anyone who's been listening to the show for a little while now, the star Wars special edition two CD set soundtracks, Mm -hmm. um, if if you've been listening to the show for a long time, you probably know uh, Star Wars music is probably my favorite part of Star Wars, um, which is why I have such a huge uh, like f- fan awe of David W. Collins. Um, but the the so in '97 when the special editions were rolling out, they also rolled out these two CD sets of you know kind of the the entire score of each of the movies, even unreleased music. So you could actually listen to the music chronologically for the first time ever. And I loved that. I loved it. One, just because the music itself always drew me into the story. And, um, even as a kid, (laughs) I was always a very emotional kid. So having the emotional language of star Wars always at my fingertips was awesome because that's really what the music is. It's kind of the emotional, Storytelling beats of this of the story, um, so being able to listen to it on my Walkman wherever I was, uh, putting it on my boombox in my bedroom, and that was the thing, Jason. These were the these were the first soundtracks I actually owned, like physical copies of. Um, these were the first ones I had, and they became the soundtrack to all of my Star Wars activities. Whether I was sitting in my room reading a Star Wars book playing on the floor with the action figures, I always had the soundtrack music playing. It always filled that space. You know, it was never just quiet. I always had the music from the movies uh, narrating in my head, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. And some of, like, I, one of the interesting things I, I I always remember, I don't know if you, do you remember um, the the CD clubs that they used to have back in the, like, mid-90s, late-90s? So BMG was one of them. Uh, Mm -hmm. So you could join these CD clubs, right? And you could like your first four CDs were free and then you would have to buy one a month at like full price. So I remember joining it was it was BMG music music group or whatever. Mm -hmm. And because these soundtracks were expensive, right? They were two CD sets and these like nice booklets. I think they were like $30 each to which to a 10 year old is a lot of money. Um, So I joined BMG. And got um, I got two of the two of the three right away because they they counted them each as a CD each. So I could only get two of them since there were four and they mailed them to my house. So I did A New Hope and Empire and Empire. They sent me the, you know, the, the fold out book and everything. But for whatever reason, the A New Hope version was just a CD case. I mean, it had both CDs in it, but it wasn't the nice, fancy book. So I mailed it back with a letter saying, I actually want this different version, blah, blah, blah. So they send me another copy of the new hope soundtrack same CD case though. And it was, I was like, Oh, I was always so angry because it didn't match the rest in my set. And actually Jason, just last year, I finally ordered off eBay like the actual book version so I could put it in my set. (laughs) I still didn't have it. Um, but I, yeah, I joined BMG just to get those at an affordable price. Um, but yeah, you know, some of my fondest memories of that part of my fandom, um, and I remember just laying, we had a hammock in our front yard in the summer. And I remember laying in that hammock, reading the Star Wars novels, just listening to the soundtracks, or I was a member of the Star Wars Insider Fan Club at the time when those new magazines would come. I'd go lay in the hammock, put my Walkman on and put on one of the CDs and just ugh, lose myself in the Star Wars world. And, and I still do that to this day. So the, this, those, those particular CD releases were huge for my fandom.
1: Oh, to be a kid again and to go and just be able to lay out in a hammock with a magazine and a soundtrack. Yeah. Oh, that sounds amazing <laughs> right now. Not to um, lie. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, that's fantastic. I'm going to save some thoughts on my own uh, soundtrack stuff here in a sec. Um, but, yeah, no, I've always been a fan of the soundtracks, and those were those versions were the first uh Star Wars soundtracks I got for those movies so um as well they re-released them um so a couple of times i think have, or yeah. or yeah. they were just yeah they they were they had multiple printings um you know and they've kind of in a way become sort of the definitive version of those soundtracks uh, at this point i think because they are kind of like the complete um or as close to complete as you're gonna get right now, uh soundtracks for those movies. Yeah. So Yeah. Um I'm sorry, are gonna what say this?
0: what's up next for you.
1: Uh what's up next for me is gonna be uh from Phantom Menace, and this is Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon storming the bridge of the uh mm-hmm. battleship. Uh because while I liked the Jedi, um after watching you know the original trilogy i was definitely more of a rebel kid like i was gonna be one of the rebel soldiers or a rebel pilot or something like that that was kind of what i played when i wasn't being r2d2 um so (laughs) um but then everything changed with the phantom menace and i finally got to see jedi in their prime just tearing apart battle droids Mm -hmm. and i was like oh oh that's cool that's not just cool. That's amazing. That's awesome. That's fantastic. I need more. Um, and so, you know,
0: what is going on down there? We're not the winter. Have you ever encountered Never a Jedi, Jedi, Jedi Knights before, sir? Well, no, but I don't. Seal off the bridge. I, I want droids. That yeah. won't be enough. <laughs>
1: I want throw it because I'm here at once. We will not survive this. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> I mean, obviously, duel of the fates is probably the most memorable scene from that entire movie, and I love duel of the fates. But this was the one that sparked everything, like because lightsaber dueling is amazing but it's not supposed to be that common so this mm. was what the jedi were doing at this time like this was the one that was like oh, okay this is what jedi are supposed to be this is what luke is gonna be um you know because at that time he hadn't really been able to do much of that except a little bit during the sand um the the pit of carcoon battle um so the sail barge that was what i was trying to say i was, <laughs> called it sand I was like that's not a sand crawler um but yeah, Luke was slaughtering Bart. Jawas. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was, that was what really kind of sparked my, my imagination and really grabbed my attention for the Jedi. Like I was a fan of the Jedi, don't get me wrong. But up until this point, they had never really been the focus of my fandom at all. And this is kind of what started to turn that. And it was sort of sealed, signed, sealed, and delivered with Attack of the Clones. But that's for next episode. Um, so, <laughs> uh, But yeah, this was sort of the beginning of me. You know, the meme where it's uh, the guy, you know, walking down the street with his girlfriend and he's looking over his shoulder at the other girl. Coming <laughs> yeah, yeah, the- yeah, yeah, yeah. That was me with rebels holding hand with the Rebel Alliance and turning my head and going Jedi. <laughs> so that was that was me. Um, so <laughs> uh, yes, but yeah. So I don't have much more to say about that one because uh, you know it'll be expanded in later episodes. But that was that was really kind of where everything went. My it started to turn my head towards the Jedi. Being oh. Oh, this is exciting! Oh, this is really exciting! So, uh, yeah, Uh, that was very influential for ten-year-old Jason.
0: (laughs) Love it! Yeah, that's so great. You know, because I mean, this is just a couple years after you become a Star Wars fan. So still, all you've seen is Luke. You know, the battle of over the Sarlacc pit is kind of the only big fight we see him in against anybody besides Darth Vader. Um, Right. And this just takes it to a whole new level. Like there's such a a finesse to the way that they just dismantle those droids. And I'm right there with you. I mean, it just, and it's funny because in the, when I was an early fan probably sounds similar to you, Jason, my, I mean, obviously my favorite character was Han and still is, but uh, my favorite part was like the, the rebel battles, the, you know, the, the spaceship fights, the blaster, Mm -hmm. the blaster bolts, Um, the lightsaber stuff was cool, but it wasn't a favorite until the prequels. Um, right. kind of like, you know, I, I, like that. I like that analogy you made of the meme, right? Like it was like, you're holding yeah. hands with the, the rebel troopers and then Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan <laughs> go slashing down battle droids. And you're like, hold on. I want to be with them now. <laughs>
1: so, <Right>. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what it
0: was. So. <laughs> oh, I love that. Um, so, uh, well, my next one for me, and this is, this will be, uh, it for my movie scenes for this, for this episode. Um, but shocking Jason, I got to put my. Probably the, the most influential scene to my early fandom was the carbon freezing chamber from The Empire Strikes Back. What's going on, buddy? You're being put into carbon freeze. What if he doesn't survive? He's worth a lot to me. The Empire will compensate you if he dies.
1: Put him in! <laughs> Yes, come, please. I'm not ready to die. Hey, hey, listen to me. Chewie, truly, this won't help me. Hey, save your strength. There'll be another time. The princess, you have to take care of her. You hear me, huh?
0: Oh man, Jason, this scene, I mean, to this day, I still love it, but, uh, it's just, it's so good. Um, this was kind of the scene that in a weird way, like told me I was going to love star Wars forever. And what I mean by that is, is because this is a dramatic scene, right? This wasn't the Ewok ambush. This wasn't the battle of Hoth. Um, it wasn't, you know, I mean, all all the other fun, exciting action scenes of star Wars. This was a drama scene and it was kind Mm -hmm. of my favorite early on. Um, Mm. And I think in a weird way, and of course I wouldn't have articulated this at nine, 10 years old. I wouldn't have had the the vocabulary to do so, but in a weird way, there was something about this moment where it was like, there's something special about these stories, right? Like again, like I loved turtles. I loved ghostbusters and Batman, but there was something about star Wars that I knew was just going to always be there. And in a weird way, this was the scene that kind of helped me see that is I found that the character drama was just as exciting as the blaster drama, (laughs) you know? Um, Yeah. And uh, the, the setting itself, the carbon freezing chamber has always been my favorite set piece in star Wars. It was then, and it still is today. Um, And just the, the, the colors, the, the orangest colors and the, and the soft blues. Um, And I remember Joe Hogan told me this years ago that they're uh, complementary colors on the, on the color wheel. Um, So, you know, meant to be kind of visually stimulating. Um, But I just absolutely ate this scene right up. And, you know, it's this great moment because I, I do feel like in the original trilogy, this is kind of one of the most iconic moments for Han because this is a scene of sacrifice. Um, you know, it's maybe not a willful sacrifice, but he's giving himself up for his friends. He really, really cares about Leia. He really cares about, you know, cares about Han and, or excuse me, Luke and Chewie. And in this last moment, his kind of final wish is for Chewie to take care of Leia. right? It's, it's this action of him saying, I love you, even though he only says, I know him, you know, having Chewie look out for her is Han's way of saying, I love you. Um, and so, you know everything that happens in this this these scenes preceding it too, with Han right obviously the torture scene, which weirdly always drew me in as a kid, which is I know weird and bizarre, but I liked it i don 't know why the scan grid is just a very cool, terrifying device, um, but it's kind of this culmination of everything Han has gone through in the last you know fifteen minutes of screen time is he goes from being betrayed to tortured to frozen in carbonate. It's this story of him being kind of stripped of everything. He loses everything. Um, And, you know, even at this young age, I started becoming aware of certain things in my life that weren't going to last forever. Um, And I I don't mean to get too dramatic here, but things in my own family life that I just was starting to come undone. I felt really identifiable with Han here, that I could be the hero, even if I lost everything. Um, and, And I really love that moment with Han. And then the last thing I want to say about this, is, which is just straight up silly, Jason, I always mm-hmm. was fascinated with, well, what happens to Han in that carbonite chamber? Like when the carbonite f- pours in, what actually happens? What does it look like? So I used to do right. this when I was a kid all the time in the shower. I would slowly back into the shower stream and put my hands up like Han and be like, ah. And it just freeze there like on wood. and I used to just, I used to do that all the time in the shower, pretending I was getting frozen in carbonite. And sometimes I remember my mom would hear me like, "Oh ah! no!" And she'd be like, "What's going on?" I'm like, "I'm getting frozen in carbonite." So, <laughs> <laughs> um, like, yeah, it was so in a weird way, it was a fun scene to reenact, which is very
1: bizarre, I'm sure. But, um, I mean, yeah. you know, what, <laughs> whatever whatever you know catches your imagination at the time you know that i never did that but i can totally <laughs> see myself doing that if if that scene had made an impact uh that that same kind of impact on me as, as it made, did on you so um i did other other goofy silly things in the shower as a kid and we don't need to go into that now um <laughs> <but> <laughs> i'm sure all of us have you know uh, so yes Uh, I, yes, I was about to tell a story and it's not relevant at all. So we're going to (laughs) move on, Um, (laughs) but no, that, that's a, that's great. And you know, it's kind of funny that not only does it, you know, did it speak to you in a very, you know, deep way in a very real way, but it also was just fun and silly too. So it, it captured you on multiple levels which is what star wars is able to do you know mm. and usually it happens at different stages in your life you know you, you like something uh you know because of the superficial things and the fun things uh you know early on and then as you go on in life and have experiences it's like ah i like this scene more because of how this goes or the characters or whatever but it's kind of funny how that all kind of came in at, all at once for you you know yeah so yeah
0: and, I, you know, like when I think about kind of that more emotive side, you know, again, like I'm sure 10 year old Carl wasn't saying those things. But, um, right, you know, this is me, obviously, with hindsight, looking back and superimposing probably some of my own wisdom that I've gained since <laughs> since those years. But right. I do you know, I mean, the fact that that was a scene that was it was it was the scene I would rewind and rewatch a lot growing up. Um, I do think, again, it was. Yes, that superficial reality, but there was also, again, just that message of, like, heroes can lose everything and still be heroes, you know?
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, so I've got two more. You've got one more, right? Correct. Excellent. All right. So this one, uh, this will be a pretty quick one. Um, about the same time that Phantom Menace was coming out, I was, you know, going to the library every single week. The Star Wars books I got the most were the big DK, uh, you know, visual guides, incredible cross-section books. I got those religiously. (laughs) Like, uh, you could, back at that time, you could check it out for three weeks and then renew it. So you could have it for six weeks. (laughs) Um, So I did. I would get, like, three of them at once. And I would just, I'd renew it. I'd, I'd check it out. I'd renew it after I renewed it. Cause you could only renew it once at the time. You'd have to take it back. And then if it was there the following week, I'd get it again. Um, and sometimes somebody had put it on, on hold. And so I'd have to, I wouldn't be able to renew it because somebody else had it in the queue. So I'd have to take it back. And then as soon as it was back on the shelf, I'd get it again. So <laughs> these books probably lived at my house for about, I don't know, five, six months. These books stayed at my house more than they were at the library. Um and I just poured over them. There there was the original trilogy one, uh obviously that was, you know, had, you know, covered the whole trilogy with the characters and the guide, you know, the visual guide covered the characters and everything like that. Um, their equipment and stuff like that. And then there was the Incredible Cross Sections, which covered all the ships and the Death Star and things like that. And then there was the Phantom Menace uh versions of those. And I ate those up just as much as the other ones. So um, I'm pretty sure. Uh, by the time we've written around to Attack of the Clones, my my mom got me the Attack of the Clones visual guide pretty early on, so I didn't do the same thing um, with that one. Uh, so I owned the Attack of the Clones visual guide and didn't have to do it at the library later on. But like at this period in my life, you know, late 1999 to 2000, this was like the thing like I did. I just read those books. I was also reading through the Jedi Apprentice books as well, mm. but the DA books, you know, the and the Jedi Apprentice books very you know, very influential at that time for me too because it was like, Oh, this is before the Phantom Menace. This is a Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, you know, before all of this and there was so many different adventures and interesting things that happened in that for me. Um but the DK books were the ones that I just practically salivated over. Um like I couldn't get enough of them. So these books were very important to me and why I still to this day get the visual guides uh mm. when they come out. So and why I'm like, okay, so are we getting one for the Mandalorian? I thought we were. Um but I've not seen that anywhere. So um but yeah, so that those were those were pretty influential for for young Jason. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love that. I love that you were the one always uh, cracking them out at the library. Um, oh,
1: constantly.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's so funny. You know, I, that's something weirdly enough. I didn't start getting into going to my local library till middle school. And I wish I had earlier. Cause uh, a lot of the stars books I wanted to read early on. I was like, oh, I don't have the money to buy them. I'm sure they would have been at the library had I just gone. Um, But that's so cool. You know? And And I think, it's funny because those visual guides have, you know, they're, they're, I almost want to call it like empirical mathematical Star Wars information, right? Like they're not the novels, they're not the stories. These are just like, yeah. that's what the ship is and here's what it can do. And here's what this blaster is and here's who made it. Right. So right. it's just interesting that like, I bet you, you had just such factual knowledge about the stuff of Star Wars at that time. Oh, yeah. right? And at that age, like your, your brain just kind of soaks it in like a sponge.
1: Oh, yeah, and I knew the names of all the characters, even all the background characters, because they were all in there, you know? So Mm. it was, like, I was the knowledge for all my friends, the Star Wars knowledge for all my friends. Anybody had a question, they came to me. Um, Even if they didn't have a question, I would share the information with them. Um, So, (laughs) (laughs) I was was that kid. Um, So... Yeah. Uh I learned real fast who was willing to uh, tolerate my my sporadic Star Wars information and who uh would didn't care. So I learned pretty <laughs> fast at that age. So um, <laughs> But yes, that was me and I I ate those books up like there was no tomorrow. So that and then they had the um the character guides that came out a little yeah. bit later that I also just i couldn't get enough of so yeah that period i was definitely just eating up all of the source books like that like that was my favorite that's awesome
0: (laughs) that's so cool yeah i didn't i had next to none of those growing up actually um i don't know why i just i just didn't so um the 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 way I learned about background characters and like the ins and outs of the starships and different weapons was playing the star Wars customizable card game by decipher that, that ran, mm-hmm. I think from like, I want to say 96 through 99. Um, and, uh, you know, each of those cards, whatever it would be on the card in the, there would be a top bubble where it gave you information about that character, that particular piece of equipment. That's where I learned a lot of my random factoids about star Wars was playing <laughs> that game. Um, So, yeah, that's awesome. I love I love that you were you're so into those Um, very so. Well, the last thing I'm going to bring up uh, is uh, something that I think is very near and dear to every Star Wars fan, Mm -hmm. Um, especially Star Wars fans who got into Star Wars as, as young people. And that would, of course, be the toys.
1: Star Wars Power of the Force Collection. Darth Vader leads an evil empire towards universal domination. Join a brave rebellion with Luke Skywalker, Han Solo and Chewbacca, and Jedi Obi-Wan Kenobi. Can you stop the Empire? Star Wars Power of the Force Collection. From ca- Now the universe is changed forever. The Star Wars Power of the Force Collection. When Darth Vader and his stormtroopers attack, join Princess Leia, Luke Skywalker, and Han Solo. Escape in the mighty Millennium Falcon. Experience the real movie sounds of Lightspeed. when Darth Vader's TIE fighters are on your tail. Hear the force of the Falcon's turbo lasers. Can you blast Vader's TIE fighters to pieces? Never underestimate the power of the Force. The Star Wars Power of the Force collection, each sold separately from Kenner. <laughs> so, for- each sold from <laughs> Kenner. <laughs>
0: yeah. For me, the Star Wars figures that came out when I was into Star Wars, obviously, again, at that time period, was the Power of the Force line of figures that started coming out in 95 um, and continued somewhat. I mean, the Power of the Force, line it, it turned into Power of the Jedi, I think, around Attack of the Clones. Um, but anyway, it was that, you know, that toy line. And, and I've told the story on the show before of, you know, one of the very first things I ever bought myself as a Star Wars fan was. A um a magazine, Star Wars Galaxy, which used to be uh, distributed by Tops, Tops Trading Cards, did a Star Wars Galaxy magazine for. It, it didn't run that long, but I got their. I was just at the store one day. And I saw the issue. It was the 15th anniversary edition of Empire Strikes Back, and then the center spread of that that particular co- uh, magazine was the story of the Power of the Force figures coming out. And, and I know I've told this on the show many times, but I just remember thinking, you know, my. Eight-year-old mind just thinking, wow, they're making new Star Wars toys because I'm a fan now. That's great, (laughs) you know. Like (laughs) I I figured they were just doing it for me, Um, but you know, I I think this is, and and I don't mean to speak for every part of fandom, but I think for so many of us who got into Star Wars as kids, the toys really helped solidify our love of Star Wars. Um, You know, the the imagination that I saw on the screen when I was watching the movies was awesome. When I read the stories, my imagination was popping, but the figures, the action figures gave me the ability to create my own stories, to act them out, to play, to literally play in that sandbox. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and I've got to say that in, in my early star Wars fandom, the power of the force figures are what made me fall in love with star Wars. Um, as much as the things from the movies were cool and, Everything else about it was great. The figures are what made me just, you know, fall head over heels in love with Star Wars. Um, And I remember the first time seeing them on pegs in a a store. I was going into Ames, which was a department store. It doesn't exist anymore. Um, I don't know if it was nationwide or whatnot, but it was at least in upstate New York. Uh, I walked into an Ames one day with my mom. And she was picking something up off layaway, which also layaway. I don't even think exists anymore. (laughs) But my mom was, we were walking back to the layaway section, which was right next to the toys, which was great. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go pick this up. You can go look at the toys. And I walked down. um, I was probably looking for like a Jurassic Park figure or something. And there was just this entire row of orange cards with, you know, orange lightsaber cards these star Wars action figures. And I, I mean, I knew they were coming out, right? Like I'd seen the magazine, I knew they were coming, but when you're that age, you don't really think about like, Oh, when do they come out? What's the exact release date, right? Like you're not thinking those things. So as soon as I saw them, it like clicked, it's like, Oh my God, they're here. (laughs) And just like that, that moment of, you know, pure joy and just looking at, you know, all of these figures and my mom comes back from layaway and she's like, Oh, look at all those new star Wars toys. And I was like, mom, I want them all. She's like, well, you can't have them all. And she goes, you know what? She goes, since you ran all my errands with me today, you can have one. And I was like, Oh, so it it became like the hardest decision of my nine year old life. Um, Standing there. Yes. Which which, is
1: your first star Wars action figure, Carl. Yes. Which one was it?
0: (laughs) So I had in my hands, Han Solo and Boba Fett. And I was like, Oh my God. Han Solo is my favorite character, but this Boba Fett looks so cool. And I was a little perplexed why Han Solo had like a 52 inch chest, but, um, <laughs> I mean, he was very buff. It was a lot buffer than Harrison Ford. Um, uh, but Boba Fett just looks so cool. And I did remember, um, we had just bought a box of cereal that you could mail away for a Han Solo and Stormtrooper figure. So I was like, "All right, I'm about to get a Han Solo Stormtrooper figure in four to six weeks, um, right? Because those things took forever." So I yeah. went with Boba Fett. Boba Fett was the first figure I ever got. Um, and then, you know, from then on, it just it, it the toys created something in that early fandom, um, and and I think it's still true for me today. But it created this desire to to hunt for toys. Right, so that you know that biweekly trip or whenever it was, my mom would take me to Toys R Us to spend my allowance on a new figure. It was always fun being in communication with my two cousins about like, all right, who was at Toys R Us this week? What did you see? Right, you know, sharing those notes it helped me build my relationship with the with my two cousins, um, and we would go on shopping trips together, provided by either my mom or their mom, <laughs> um, and you know, it was just it was so exciting. It was so exciting to go get something new and then bring it home and expand my story. I was, you know, imagining and playing out under my bed or in my cousin's bedroom. Like it was just great. So I, I got to say for that, that early experience of my fandom, nothing quite takes, takes my imagination, imagination away. Like the, the figures did.
1: That's, that's awesome. Now, the figures were definitely very important to me. Um, at that time, but they didn't sort of take over the way they did until our next episode. So they're not (laughs) mentioned here. Not until next Uh, week. (laughs) Not until next week. There's a preview for you. um, (laughs) For all of you. Uh, But yeah, no, the, the figures are always super important. And like I said, the micro machines were what really kind of drove my, my play. Um, just my my sort of everyday play uh at this the early fandom stage um because it kind of the kind of faded away uh as we got into the prequels and stuff you know there, there were still some there, but it wasn't you know the action fleet and micro machine the action fleet by micro machine wasn't you know as prevalent going forward as it was during the you know the special edition release days, but anyways. I love that you mentioned the action figures because I probably will next week. Um, I haven't made my my list for next week yet, but I'm pretty sure it'll be there. So, what is the last thing on my list, though, for my early fandom? Uh, and part of what probably transitioned me from early fandom to super fan um, was the soundtracks. Um, yes, I I remember. <laughs> being it was it was my birthday two thousand, you know, because I had a Phantom Menace birthday party, you know, in two thousand. Uh because you know the Phantom Menace had just come out like right after my birthday uh in um in ninety nine. So I didn't have you know all the cakes and everything like you know decorated like that. But we we did like a, a Phantom Menace birthday party in two thousand. That was no ifs, ands or buts about it. That was happening. And one of my friends, I don't remember which one it was, um, gave me the Phantom Menace soundtrack. Just the, the original release soundtrack. Mm. And that was just amazing. I was like, oh. Oh, this is a thing. Oh, this is amazing. I can like play this while I'm playing with my toys. I can play this while I'm reading my books or whatever. I can just listen to it. This is amazing. Like, I didn't know the soundtracks even existed at the time. Like, I didn't know they released the Star Wars music on a CD. What is this sorcery? You know, (laughs) Um, it was was amazing. I, I thought it was fantastic. And in short order, on my insistence, we got the original trilogy soundtracks, the double disc original trilogy soundtracks very shortly thereafter because I needed more Star Wars music. Um, and it really was the soundtrack of the summer for me. Like it was, it was the, you know, my, my parents would, would play their different CDs and stuff like that. But middle of the afternoon, I popped it out. I popped my soundtrack in and it was blaring through the house, um, as I played in the playroom or whatever, you know, the, the Phantom Menace soundtrack, I, you know, it's a good thing I got the, uh, you know, an iPod soon and I was able to, you know, rip, the CD and put it on my iPod. Um, you know, not too distant future because otherwise that CD probably won't pl- wouldn't have been able to play much longer, just due to the amount of times I played it. Like it was it was a lot. Um, so it it really was the the soundtrack of the summer for me, and and became such uh, an integral part of of what I was doing at the time. Um, and. And like I said, it's probably the soundtracks is what kind of transitioned me from early fan to, you know, kind of crazy super fan Mm -hmm. (laughs) as the prequels rolled on. So, um, yeah, I kind of have to put that in there to to sort of wrap up my early fandom. Uh, uh, Duel of the Fates just on repeat was a thing. So I won't lie. (laughs) Duel of the Fates on repeat happened a lot. Uh, when I was playing, oh, so so very good. Uh, but yeah, it was the Phantom Menace soundtrack, followed very in close, very close succession by. A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. So, um, and uh, Phantom Menace and Return of the Jedi were the ones that were most played in the early days, uh, for sure. Nice. So,
0: nice. Yeah, I love that. I love that the music is is such a huge standout for you too in the early early days mm. of your fandom. Oh um, yeah, oh most uh, definitely. That's awesome. Yeah, that Phantom Menace soundtrack was. Phenomenal. I don't know if I'll mention it specifically next week, but that's where it would have fallen. But I do remember because I was a member of the Star Wars fan club, getting in the uh, a postcard in the mail um, that's er, that late winter, early spring of ninety nine. It was just a three by five postcard with the Phantom Menace, you know, movie art on it that said soundtrack coming out right, and then with the release date on it. And Jason, to this day, I know I don't have that postcard anymore. I ha- I had saved it for years. I don't know why the heck I got rid of it. I keep meaning to see if I can just find one on eBay. I just I, I just want to have it again because <laughs> um, it was like uh, like because again with the sequels or excuse me with the prequels we had all the soundtracks like before the movies came out um, mm-hmm. right. So yeah, and Phantom Menace was uh, was definitely a, probably the standout for me of the prequel era musically speaking um so yeah that's awesome great way to great way to r- 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 round out this discussion here
1: yeah yeah uh gosh carl what a trip down memory lane uh it was
0: it was so so much fun um but you know it's 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 getting to be the end there um we're, we're up into the the late 90s here at this point um you might say it's closing time
1: Closing time, open all the doors and let you out into the world. Closing time, turn all of the lights on over every boy and every girl.
0: That's right, Jason. It's closing time on this episode of The Wampus Lair.
1: It is. And folks, if you thought we were going to be talking about stuff in this era uh, and Carl wasn't going to play anything from the late 90s, or early 2000s, you're sorely mistaken. Uh, My favorite (laughs) era of music. I love it. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Well, uh, we don't have a matchup for the end of this episode, Carl, because we got we 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 have one for you
0: every day for a month.
1: Exactly. We got (laughs) this is madness going. So, folks. Make sure you're doing that. And Carl, um, anything else that we got to wrap this up with, or are we we good to start closing down this episode? Yeah, just
0: like like you said, Jason. Just a reminder, folks, to to participate in the This Is Madness tournament um, as much and as often as you can. Again, it's there every day of the week. So again, it'll no voting on the weekends, but um, Monday through Friday every week until we're done. Um, so again, just share it as share it as much as you can every time you vote. If you could just retweet it or share it to your story. We'd really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Um, and Carl, if people want to weigh in on anything we discussed this episode or wanted to just share any of their early fandom yeah. uh, moments, where can they do that? Cause we want to hear yours guys. We had a ton of fun doing ours, but you know, and everyone has an early a different era for early fandom. You know, some of you yes. might be, you know, like OG OT people some of you might be like you know clone wars was your early era or even the sequel so um we want to hear what what really was like the moments that stood out for you in your early fandom uh, so carl if people want to share any of that with us where can they do that
0: uh we're of course on twitter at Wampaslair. lair we're on instagram at the underscore wampas lair you can email us at wampas at gmail.com and facebook and facebook Facebook. yes i don't really use it anymore but yes
1: (laughs) uh you know we we would check there and we'll take a look um but yes thank you everyone so much uh anything else you got carl before we close down this episode already excited for next week i am too (laughs) (laughs) all right well thank you everyone so much for listening to this episode of the Wampus lair podcast this has been episode number 416 galactic highlights part one for carl i'm jason And we'll see you next time here in the Wampas Lair.